White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 636. 10, 9, 8, 7, ignition sequence started, all engines are started, we have ignition, 2, 1, 0, we have a liftoff, we have a liftoff and it's lighting up the area, it's just like daylight here at Kennedy Space Center, the second five is moving off the path, it is now clear the top. Hello and welcome to the White Rocket Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment, along with all of our great patrons by Patreon.com. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I am here to talk about World Cup and international soccer, and I'm joined by my good friend and soccer fan and expert, David Wright. Welcome back aboard, David. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, we've got a few things to kind of catch up on. We haven't talked in a little while about what's going on in the soccer world, and we are certainly big fans and wanting to kind of keep up to date. And there's been some big news coming out just a few minutes ago that we're going to hit on. Yes, uh, today is, what, June 16th, 2022. Uh, It's the day that FIFA announced the host cities for the 2026 World Cup, and we'll uh, get into that a little bit later, I suppose. Which will be held in North America. North America, that's right. It'll be For the first time, three countries will be hosting it. Uh, Canada and Mexico are also involved. That's so weird. I mean, I know it was strange when uh, Japan and Korea had to share. I get The difference, though, I think, is that there's probably some goodwill this time, whereas I always had the sense that Japan and South Korea really resented each other, that they kind of stole, they both wanted it, and they kind of made them both happy by giving it to both of them. But it didn't really make either one of them happy because they both felt like they didn't really get it. You know what I mean? They had to share. So I think this time it's not quite so. uh... Plus, I mean, my gosh, Canada can't complain. They're not that big of a country, and Mexico's had it before. So, you know, and so have we, but. And, you know, I want to ask you about this. When the U.S. had it in 1994, I remember it was such a success in terms of people coming to it and everything. They had the biggest attendance that they've ever had, I think, for a World Cup at that World Cup. and still um, the most most attended in person World Cup ever. I I was at three of them. I did my part. And (laughs) and I remember at the time there was all this talk of, wow, they're going to come back here really soon because this was so successful. And it's been... 28 30. years, yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll be, it'll be over by the yeah. time. Yeah. It'll be over 32, so it'll be 32. So what happened? Well, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's politics, you know. Um, they also bid these things out uh, a cycle in advance, and they try to alternate uh, between the continents. Yeah. And then, you know, you also mix in uh, Asia into that. It wasn't just your typical Europe, then South America, Europe, then South America. They got Asia in there, then Russia got it. So, Africa. Uh, you know, they're only once every four years. So I feel like in, in the scale of the World Cups, uh, maybe it's not that that big of a leap, you know, big of a yeah. gap for us to get it back again. You know, I'd have yeah. to think about when's the last time a country hosted it twice what was the shortest gap before us you know i don't i don't know i haven't looked at oh it. it was mexico mexico had it and then they got Colombia's about like eight years later well yeah okay so they kind of got the emergency backup position on that they ended up with it again yeah but that was a you know extenuating circumstances yeah i'm surprised england's never had it again because they had it in 66 and then uh they wanted it in 08 or 06 
and it went to Germany instead, and England was mad because there was mm-hmm. they had had some kind of backroom deal where England would get the World Cup and Germany would get like the the Euros, and Germany ended up getting both and something like that, and England was really upset, as you can imagine, between those two. Well, I'm sure it's all above board because FIFA is known for not being corrupt at <laughs> oh. all. Oh, no, no, yeah, I'm sure it was all perfectly, perfectly fine. So, we what we want to talk about here, we got several things to talk about. We'll talk about the cities that are going to get uh, to host it in 2026, and I also want to remind folks there is a World Cup this year, but it's just a lot later than normal. It's in November, I believe, in Qatar, right? As a matter of fact, if this were any other World Cup, it would be starting this week, yeah. right now. Wow. Uh, How about that? Which is really weird because we finally just settled on all the teams going, like, it uh, seems like just a week ago or something. That's right. But, um, yeah, World Cup year. And uh, the U.S. is involved this time. Uh, the U.S. men missed the last one. So, um, oh, man. And uh, this is what we want to talk about today. The U.S. just uh, finished an international window where they played a few matches. So, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, things, theoretically anyway, things are getting a little more clear as far as what kind of squad we're going to take with us to Qatar. And I got to tell you, the one big impact that missing the World Cup last time had on me and fans like me who are probably intense fans when it's going on, but kind of casual fans when it's not, when something's not going on, is that I've lost all sense of who the players are. Like when I see the roster now, I recognize one player and that's Christian Pulisic, and that's just because he's very well known. I don't know anybody else on this team, and I'm not proud to say that, but that's what happens when we go eight years, basically, between really seeing them out there in action. Yeah, you know, uh, we don't remember this a little bit uh, uh, in the last show where we talked about soccer, but um, yeah, we, by missing, we, we had a, uh, develop, a generational uh, lag, a generational mm-hmm. gap in, um, in our development, our talent development, and so we had to use guys that were maybe a little too old for the, you know, that we, we we didn't have the young players phasing in during the last cycle and we ended up missing out. And so what's happened is uh, the implication of the impact of missing the World Cup has been a tremendous drop in interest in the U.S. men's team mm. f- among casual fans, you know. Um, so you are absolutely not alone in the situation that you're in. And what happened was when they finally hired the new manager, Greg Berhalter, there was a complete sea change. Like they did a co- uh, the only person to carry over was Christian Pulisic, and um, and now like uh, bench players and role players like DeAndre Yedlin have kind of been brought back in. But for the most part, it's like out with the old, in with the new. It's a complete changeover in roster. They went ultra youth movement. The players we have now really are age qualified to be our Olympic squad, which is our national under 23 team yeah um but they're they're playing up at the world cup level because because we had that gap and these young guys are stepping up so so it makes sense that you would be that way but mm-hmm. i'm telling you and this has been the case starting about two years ago um that now is really about two years ago is about the time to really start paying attention it's when i got excited again right of course my enthusiasm i never quit following the team but my enthusiasm went down we had a lost year after yeah. after we got eliminated and before we had burhalter we had a lost year where like nothing the only thing significant that happened is we gave a bunch of players their debuts and that was it mm-hmm. and we were aimless and we looked bad and we and lost a lot of fans really um but uh i want to give you a few names again the big names on the team okay that that belong on that tier with pulisic okay All right, so that the names that you should recognize the top five that should roll off your tongue when mm-hmm. you think about our current squad is you have christian pulisic Okay, you've got Giovanni Reina, Gio Reina, 
who that's is the son Claudio of Reyna's son, son that's of right. Captain America. Okay. All right. Uh, you got Weston McKinney, who plays midfield for Juventus, and you've got Tyler Adams, who's our defensive midfielder, and then you've got Tim Weah, who plays on the wing, and you also have Brendan Aronson. And Brendan Aronson's stock continues to rise very quickly. Aronson was just sold for $30 million to Leeds United after they got promoted to the Premiership. So now we have, a, he's a, in terms of transfer fees and, and the league he's playing in, he's right there with Pulisic. So Aronson, you've got to, you've got to know Brendan Aronson. He's an exciting player to, to watch play. So, so what did I say? Adams, McKin, uh, McKinney, Aronson, mm-hmm. Weah, mm-hmm. and Reyna. Those are the, those are the, Big names that, uh, and 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 I forgot Serginho Dest because he's out with an injury right now. But he plays for Barcelona, and he's our best defender by far. So he's a world class talent. So those names should uh, hopefully be household names for you and for all U.S. fans at least by the time the World Cup has been played. That Weah name sounds familiar. Is he related to somebody? Was there like a George Weah or something? George Weah is a, a former international soccer player. And he's currently a head of state. He is the president of the country of Liberia. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. And it's like his son is playing for the United States men's national team. So and he's really same, good. He's one of the, the best family. players out there. Yeah. They're related. Wow. Okay. So he's like yeah. he's like the prince of Liberia, so to speak. It's not a monarch, but you know. <laughs> T'Challa is playing for us. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, um, okay. So we have a we have some good players. I know that you said oh, yeah. before. You said to me before that we are still trying to find, and this is this is true not just for the United States historically, but for a lot of teams. We're trying to find scores up front, right? Yeah, we still struggle uh, in that in that position. We sure do. We're still we we have a guy who's a front runner that's probably going to be the guy, but you know he has not uh, lit it up. <laughs> he's he's created good chances, getting to good spaces, but he's not actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Mm. So um, so. Um, we can get into, into that a little bit, but we we have a we have a big question there because of a lack of anybody stepping up. We have a big question at right wing because we have an embarrassment of riches. We had three or four world class elite talents that it's like musical chairs. We have one more elite player than we have spots on the field. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's actually a good problem to have, I suppose. But somebody's going to be hard done by the by the game day squad. It just has to be. Um, yeah. And then, and then we also um, our goalkeeper situation is in flux with a lot of question marks, and we had a major injury at center back, and so now that's been thrown into question when we thought we had it settled. Good grief! Well, I was going to say we the it used to be goalkeeper where we didn't know who to start because we had so many good ones, and so now it's um, what what position did you say it was that they have several the midfield or the. Uh, that's right wing. wing, yeah. Yeah, wing. right wing. You've got you've got uh, Brendan Aronson, Tim Way, and Gio Reyna. Uh, mm-hmm. All three of them uh, deserve to start there. So I don't know what you do. Well, what they did in terms of the goalkeeper was let one of them start a couple of games and let another one start a game or so, and then uh, hope you get to the second round. Problem that year was that we didn't get to the second round, so no, they never got to play more than one or two right. each. Okay, do you want to get into uh, more of the uh, – well, we just came out of an international window where we, we got a few games played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Berhalter did, um, you know, did some roster experiments and did some uh, 
you know, some tactical experiments as far as playing people in new new spots and, um, you know, trying to figure out maybe some wrinkles he can introduce for Qatar or just just stopgap, you know, to fill in where there's been some injuries. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that uh, the last thing you want to do is be completely changing things up right before the World Cup. So hopefully they've got the basics down and they just got to figure out a few details, right? I hope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the goalkeeper and um, striker are the big, big problem areas. I mean, the big question areas. That's, well, that's the front and the back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, that, 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 that's a couple of problems. I mean, well, I mean, but do you st- are those solvable problems, or is it one of those things where we're just going to have to kind of cover up for it and just hope for the best? Okay, uh, we could go ahead and dig into them now if you like. Um, at at goalkeeper, we had we had Zach Steffen who had come up in MLS, was playing for Columbus, and was lighting everything on fire. And he would, he did was doing really well here. This was a few years ago, and he got signed by Manchester City, which he was promptly given the number two position, and he was loaned out. He did, he did very well on loan. They brought him back, and he is now the number two goalkeeper at Man City. Um, Matt Turner lit the world on fire over the last couple of years and had an incredible 2021 and is a phenomenal shot stopper and is playing for New England Revolution. And then he did well enough to get bought by Arsenal, and he has just now moved to Arsenal like this month. And so he's leaving during the middle of the MLS season, and he's going there to be the number two goalkeeper. Oh, wow. And and then you have a look. Uh, I don't say little. That's insulting. But we had a younger player. His name was uh, Ethan Horvath. And if you saw him, he had heroics in June of last year, the Nations League final, where he had to come on as an injury sub, and he saved the game for us. But um, he, he is the number two goalkeeper for Nottingham Forest. Now, Nottingham just got promoted to the Premier League, so good for them. They hadn't been in the Premier League since, like, 1999. But he's the number two goalkeeper. We have three Premier League <laughs> goalkeepers on our squad, but none of them are starting. Right, right, which means they're not and playing much. They're not hardly ever playing. They'll play in, like, some secondary, you know, cup competitions, but they're not yeah. going to get league minutes. And the, the fourth mm. guy, and he just had a match this month, Sean Johnson, He's from Georgia. He plays for New York City in Major League Soccer, and he's an older player, mid thirties, and um, he, he's he's one of the best in MLS. And he just had a great match for the U.S. and he may be a dark horse to um, end up being the number one choice just because of current form, you know, because nobody else is getting minutes. The other thing is that Zach Steffen has really fallen off in form. If you saw the FA Cup semifinal, he had a howler that. Um, that costs Manchester City that game. So hmm. he uh, he's 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 really he was the locked number one for several years, but I don't think he's he might not even be number three. I don't know, but um, I'm personally a Matt Turner guy, but and he's just now left New England for Arsenal. So what's kind of formally be in come November? You know, it's hard to say. So who who do you think is going to end up being our starting goalkeeper? I think it's going to be Matt Turner. I really do, um, but uh, but you know a lack of minutes is a problem. But this is something unique with the World Cup being in November, mm-hmm. and a lot of well, all the European leagues, most of the leagues in the world being out of season during the summer months. Uh, MLS is in a good position to receive players on loan 
that are looking to earn minutes in the run up to the World Cup. And it seems to me it would make sense to loan some of these players back and not even just American players. I would think we would be a, 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 a good place to land for anybody who's looking to, to get a loan during the run up to, to get noticed by their national team managers. But uh, I would like to see I would like to see him get minutes. Obviously, it's, it's a little bit concerning that we're going to be going in the World Cup with two our top two, possibly top three keepers not even playing regularly. So that doesn't sound awesome. No. But, you know, my pick is Matt Turner. He, he's been incredible. He's been absolutely incredible. And what is your uh, what is your diet, your forecast for what we're going to end up doing in terms of striker? Is there anybody else they're going to find, or are they just going to make do with what we have, or what do you think? Is, is Clint Dempsey got, he got any eligibility left, as they say? Because <laughs> <laughs> he could find a way to find the goal, man. You know what? If you ask Clint to get back out there, he 100% would do it. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He absolutely would, yeah. Um, right now, the front, uh, you know, during qualification, it looked like the front runner was Ricardo Pepe because he was a teenager coming up, super hot. He came out, scored three goals in his first two U.S. matches, were critical goals for us during qualification. But then he, he got the move to Germany, to the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's scored since for a club or country yeah. since September. Um, what the person who seems to be the front runner right now is a guy named Jesus Ferreira. He plays for Dallas and he's, he, I think he's leading the MLS in scoring at the moment. And, um, he had a hat trick the other night, didn't he? Against, um, Grenada. What do you call four? What do you call four goals in a game? (laughs) (laughs) He had two braces in one game. How about that? Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. He scored four, uh, in the recent match against Grenada. Granada, Grenada. Um, he, um, but here's the thing. When we play lower ranked, lower FIFA ranked teams, he cleans up. But as soon as we play tougher opposition, he dries up. Like yeah. he hasn't scored against good opposition and I don't know when. Now, he's still looking like our front runner because one thing you can absolutely say about him is that he gets into good spots. He gets, into, he gets on the ball in good places, good angles. He's creating chances. He's also somebody who can drop back uh, with his back to goal and and combine with other players and create that way. So a part of his game is vacating the box and drawing defenders and creating space for other players to run mm. into. That that's a big part of the sport. It's hard to appreciate it when you're not when you're not racking up goals, but it, that is a part of his game. But in the end, you still would like to have your number nine scoring goals, and he just hasn't really been doing that. Um, we've, we've experimented in these matches that we just had in June. Um, Berhalter brought in Haji Wright. Um, he plays professionally in Turkey. He was a part of the U S youth teams that had all this talent that we're talking about mm-hmm. Pulisic and Adams and McKinney. He grew up with them playing in the youth program, but this was his first cap at the senior level and he's played him at number nine and, um, and he did fine. He didn't score. Oh, he did score from the spot somebody else drew a penalty kick and Pulisic gave it to him and he he converted that so he scored from the penalty spot but um he didn't get much in the uh flow of play um i think it's still open i mean there there's another american in mls who's right there at the top of the scoring race his name is brandon vasquez he used to play for atlanta now he's with cincinnati and he also is a part of that youth uh, program all those years and um, there's no reason why you couldn't get a call. Mm. I mean, but we only have two matches left before the World Cup starts. 
Oh boy. And you want and you want time to integrate players into your system. So it's looking to me like Jesus Ferreira is going to be our number one guy to start at that position. And we just got to hope that the law of averages will uh, work out for us. You know, they have a stat they keep called expected goals, and which is some kind of magic math that gives you a percentage chance of what of what percentage that should have been a goal during that moment of the game. The, mm. You know, the chance that the quality is some way to quantify the quality of the chance. Right. And his expected goals number is very high. It's very strong. And so, if you're someone who believes in those numbers, then you have to believe that eventually the goals will start coming. Right. Well, my last question in terms of that is, when they get to the World Cup, when they get to Qatar in the fall or winter or whenever, do we have the horses to do anything, or are they going to go three and out and come home? Okay, that's an excellent question. And the answer is yes and yes. I mean, mm. we could do any or all of the above. Well, we can't do it all, but we can do any of those. That would we be the U.S. historically, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we have, Do we have the quality? Is it is it reasonable to think that we can advance out of the group? Yes. Mm. Yes, 100%. It is reasonable to think that we can do that. You're not pie in the sky crazy if you say we're going to advance. Um that said, we have a good history of laying eggs in the biggest moments, and um, and this is a very competitive group. Now, I will say this: the U.S. is undefeated against England in That's World right. Cup play That's in all of history. Yep, yep, <laughs> that is true. We have we beat them in uh, 1950, yep. and we played them to a draw in 2010, and we played them to to a draw. Oh my goodness, I'm blanking. When did we play them to get to a draw another time? I don't remember the other one. I remember 2010 because I was watching it in downtown St. Louis in about 150 degree heat. But um, that was the one where um, we maybe that we just played the two matches. We, yeah. we we've won one, we drew one, and we're going to play them again this year. That was one where Dempsey hit just a little dribbler, and the goalkeeper <laughs> couldn't couldn't cover it up, and it just rolled slowly <laughs> but inevitably into the goal as he watched in horror. That was fantastic. It counts. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the other hand, David Gerrard nailed one for us. I couldn't believe they didn't score again the way he made it look so easy. But <laughs> um, but yeah, we it, it's funny we have a history of beating teams or drawing teams that you wouldn't think from Colombia to England and others in between. But we also have a history of just getting wiped out by teams that you'd think we'd be competitive with, like a Poland or a Yugoslavia or somebody like that. So. Ghana, yeah. Or Ghana. Oh, so, don't even go with Ghana, my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, w w we should touch on this. The last time we recorded, we didn't know who the fourth or mm -hmm. the, the fourth member of our group is going to be. So that's been decided. It's going to be Wales, who I believe were number thirteen in the world. They were the highest ranked of those three countries mm -hmm. that were in play. So we got Wales, England, Iran, yeah, and the United States. One of these um, is not like the other, but. <laughs> Yeah, I know Scotland. It was funny. I watched Scotland, Ukraine, and and I was very disappointed that Ukraine won, and then uh, they turned around and lost to Wales. I think who was the class of that group all along. And so, yeah, we've got um, we've got we can do it. Two, we've got two fourths of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and then the United States, and then we've got Iran. I just want to beat Iran. I remember I remember losing to them in in the in the '98 fiasco, as Roger Bennett called it, 
all too well, and I want revenge, man. I hated losing that stupid match to Iran. I, that's that's like when England plays Argentina. We play Iran. It's kind of like arch enemy type thing, you know, geopolitical. And I, I just, I just, if we lose to England and Wales, I hate it. But I really don't want to lose to Iran again. That would just really tick me off. So, I want, I, I want to beat them, and I want to keep our um, undefeated streak against England alive. So, yeah, um, <laughs> we, uh, you know. I don't pay too close attention to FIFA rankings and, and really I'm just kind of ultra U S focused, mm -hmm. but, uh, this month, June of 2022, we opened the double window with a pair of friendlies against world cup teams. We played Morocco and we played Uruguay mm -hmm. and they're, they're both on their way to Qatar. And, um, we showed well in both of those matches. We beat Morocco three to nothing. And, and one of, one of those goals was an unbelievable combination play uh, with Pulisic bringing down a long ball over the top of his head, like Willie Mays with the, with an <sighs> unbelievable first touch and then laying it off for Brendan Aronson. And it was just a gorgeous goal. But anyway, we played Uruguay to a zero, zero tie and um, which, and we had our chances to take all three points. So um, I'm told, and like I say, I'm ultra us focused. So I'm taking other people at their word, but I'm told that those two teams, you know, they are at least, as tough, if not tougher, than the group opponents we're going to face in Qatar. Ah. So for us to do that well, to get four, basically mm -hmm. four points out of those two matches, uh, bodes well in terms yes. of level of competition, level of opponents. Um, yes, yeah, a good. It's it's an it's an optimistic, you know, encouraging sign. So uh, I choose to believe we're going to advance. Um, we it's this is a World Cup where most of the groups are very competitive. Everything on paper seems to yeah. be wide open. I thought it's so hard too. to predict, harder to predict than you than most. Yes, than most tournaments I, in the past. I agree. I agree. And might so. Go ahead. I was just ask you: Might Iran have a home desert advantage playing in Qatar? <laughs> That's you know, <laughs> it's, it's realistic. Yeah. It's, I mean, anything's possible. Only FIFA so. could say, "Let's stick a giant world competition in the middle of the freaking desert and." 120 degrees and oh man it's like you said it's so political it's crazy but uh well we'll see um anything else about this coming world cup that we need to get to before we look at the host cities for the next one um uh, well I, we know that our first match will be against wales yeah which i believe is the day one of the tournament or i think is when we're playing yeah we're usually like the last day and i noticed this year we actually played at the beginning that's very exciting we usually have to just sit around and wait while everybody else plays and always drives me nuts so that's really good yeah and so the, the big day of the year the big the biggest soccer day of the year the one that theoretically is going to draw in the most amount of casual sports fans in america uh where hopefully and this usually tends to happen with world cups the whole country buzzing over this sport it's going to be black friday the day yeah. after Thanksgiving, everybody's home. There's not a whole lot of sports on TV. The United States versus England World Cup action on that day. Mm. It should be huge. I expect by that point, the whole country to be buzzing. I hope so. Certainly. So we play Wales first and then England mm -hmm. on Black Friday. And then we close out with Iran, which is weird. That's so. right. 
We never yeah. seem to do well. I may be missing, forgetting a, a year or two, but we never seem to do well in our third matches of the group. We always like do really well in the first one and surprise everybody, and then we do pretty okay in the second one, and we end up with like four points, and then we get killed in the third game. It always seems to go that way. So I really <laughs> don't. I'm hoping that by by moving things around, shaking things up this year, playing on the first day, we'll shake things up in in how that goes. You know, it's it's um, <laughs> it'd be nice to shake that up a little bit, but not in a bad way. So speaking of host cities, we found out today, and I'm, I'm kind of like excited and yet puzzled because we've got the host cities. Let me, let me go down the list here and then we can talk about them. I'm going to first tell you, these are the cities that did not get chosen. And then there's something weird about this that I want to ask you about, but here are the cities that did not get chosen. Cincinnati, Denver, Edmonton, Canada, Nashville, and that's really disappointing because Nashville would have been pretty easy for me to get to up here in St. Louis. I, I live in the Nashville area. That's right. I don't know how they missed out. Nashville's like the up-and-coming place. Orlando, which actually had the World Cup in 94. I went to a – I think you did too, right? Went to a was, game, the same one, in Orlando. Yep. And then Washington, D.C., Baltimore missed out, which is – I went to a game there too. I went to a game at RFK in 94. So they all missed out. Here are the cities that will host the 2026 World Cup in North America. Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, and Houston, interestingly. Both Dallas and Houston got it. Guadalajara, Mexico. Kansas City, and that's my salvation because that's two, that's about that's about three hours from me west. So I'll be able to, the I-70 the old I-70 trip there. I was out there for a football game a few years ago in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, Los Angeles at the Rose Bowl and Sophie Stadium, whatever that is. Mexico City, of course, at the Azteca. Miami at Hard Rock Stadium, which was recently featured as the background of a Formula One race. So they're having a lot going on in Miami. Monterey, Mexico. New York, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. I guess that's the Meadowlands. Hey, uh, I'm seeing Nashville here. Oh, really? Oh, let me finish up. Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, Toronto, and Vancouver. So no Montreal, but Toronto and Vancouver oh. for Canada. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm looking at an old I'm I'm looking at the host I'm looking at the candidate list. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Nashville's not on the list. No. So Okay, we So Mexico gets Guadalajara and Monterey. And Mexico, Mexico City. Canada gets Toronto and Vancouver. I believe right. that's all. And the U.S. gets everything else. Here's my question. Again, I'm very excited about Kansas City because I'm definitely going to go to that. Here's my question about all this. These, with the exception of Kansas City, these are all very peripheral around the U.S. It's like they don't want anybody to have to travel more than 50 miles from water, from the ocean, it seems like. <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, well, I don't have an answer for that. Um, uh, you know, I look at this list. First of all, this is basically the – I see this basically as the United States World Cup. Yeah. Um, Canada gets to host one group, and it'll be the group with Canada in it, I am most certain. <laughs> And uh, same can be said for Mexico. They're going to host one group, and it'll be the one with Mexico in it. Um, so the other 11 are in the United States, and I'm sure that's where all of the 
everything after the group stage will will be entirely in America. Oh, and okay. 10, 10 out of the 11 cities are MLS markets. Um, the only one that doesn't have an MLS team is San Francisco. Well, it's, it says Bay Area. San Jose does have a team. So maybe mm -hmm. these are all MLS markets. Um, but none of them are playing in their MLS stadiums except for Atlanta and Seattle. And that's because that's, that's also where the Falcons and the Seahawks play. They're already in the big NFL stadiums. Right. Um, I see, you know, you know, you would expect like an old guard, somebody, a 94 city, right? Like DC or Orlando, maybe to get a spot here, but you've got, you've got cities like uh, Atlanta and uh, you know, that weren't on the soccer scene mm -hmm. in such a way in 94. Ooh. So, and Atlanta's in on, in a big way now. So yeah. um, I think the Dallas Houston, you know, double tap for Texas, it's probably comes down to uh, demographics. You know, they expect to draw a lot of, um, of uh, Latin American fans, especially in the Houston area. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, I'm excited. I got no reason to complain about any of this. I'm sure, you know, I, I, like, I live in middle Tennessee, and I was really hoping Nashville would, would get a city. But uh, otherwise, I'm going to have to make plans to get down to Atlanta, which is, uh, which is okay with me. We'll have no way of knowing which cities the U.S. Right. will be playing in. That's a good you point. Know, Just because I can go to Kansas City pretty easily doesn't mean I'm going to want to see any team. We don't even know who's going to be in that World Cup yet. I mean, no, oh, no Lord, well, I guess the U.S. will be automatically qualifying, so we know we'll be in two in a row at least. But, um, um, but Yeah, and the thing is, you know, they do the draw, right? They do the random draw a yeah. few months before the World Cup, and not until, even if we know that, like, Atlanta is going to host Group D or whatever, um, we don't know who's in Group D until the draw happens, so... Um, I feel confident they'll make sure Canada plays in Canada and Mexico plays in Mexico. Um, but, uh, but we have no idea what cities in the United States will, will see the U S. Um, so I was hoping they'd go ahead and announce which teams, which cities would host like semifinals and the final. Did they do that? I didn't catch that. If they I did. haven't, no, I haven't seen that. It's not on what I'm looking at, but, um, it, in 94, the finals were in Los Angeles in the Rose bowl, I believe. In Pasadena, yes. yes so it, was. it could be there this time. I could see, I could see the Meadowlands. That's, I mean, it's gonna be. And it, did you notice Chicago is not on here? Yeah, that yeah. surprised me because that was like the first. That was the the kickoff city in '94. The first game was played in Chicago in Soldier Field. It was like Germany and somebody in the first game. I'm glad that it's it's working out timing wise for Canada to be a co-host here because of the fate of their national team. It's been that's been a wonderful sports story to follow mm -hmm. their rise over the last couple of years. Um, Canada's not had a lot of success historically no. as an international soccer country, but they have been playing a very exciting brand of soccer and they won CONCACAF qualifying and they are they're you know, I just I feel I feel good for them, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome for them to know that they're going to this second World Cup in a row by hosting, and uh, I, it's gonna be an exciting time for them. So I'm happy I'm happy for our neighbors up north. <laughs> That's true. Concacaf will have three automatic qualifiers if they do it that way, right? They they will, and you know um, I, I understand that they're gonna expand the field for the whole World Cup. Really? Like, 
this, um, or if not for 26, then after that, we're going to go from 32 to like, I don't know, 40, some 48, something like that. So the, the qualifying round that the United States just completed this year, it was the last time that it was really like real stakes on the line because we're automatic for 26. Yeah. And then with the expanded field, mm-hmm. there's we're, CONCACAF will get more than three spots. And the idea that we still right. might not qualify is really ridiculous. I mean, right. we're, we, it's, it's so e- it's going to be so easy because they're expanding it. It's going to be it's going to be a bigger tournament, which I do not like. I'm happy with 32. You know, keep it. I, there was also a lot of talk about making the World Cup every two years. I hated that idea. Oh no. But, well, but that's anyway. all money. That's all just trying to make money. But they're basically yeah. turning it into the NCAA tournament, and I mean, you know, but with a lot fewer quote-unquote teams available so it's like everybody gets to go yeah that's interesting that is going to be interesting to see but no i'm still i'm still kind of puzzled about 26 in terms of who's going to have what who's going to have the 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 finals and whatever and i if it's going to be in the u.s and not mexico city or toronto then i surely los angeles or new york but i they don't have chicago on there and they i mean i they're not going to put it somewhere like seattle or some far away corner and i'm still puzzled that kansas city is the only city on this list that's not like near the coast <laughs> you know it's just odd there's no chicago wow. there's no denver there's no st louis there's no nashville it's all like around the edges atlanta's as far away from the ocean as you can you know or dallas as you really get with this list so it's just odd it's just strange but oh well I, I don't know what's going to happen. I know Atlanta has turf. I think Seattle has turf. There's probably others on there. Energy Field in Dallas, that's probably turf, right? Mm. So is that, is that Jerry World? Is that the stadium that we're talking about? AT&T so, Stadium, so that would be Jerry World, yeah. Okay, so um, you know, as far as I know, it's still a World Cup rule that you have to have natural grass because mm-hmm. I remember in 94 they had to bring in grass to like the Silver Dome and stuff. Oh, like yeah, that. that's right. Um which is not an awesome solution, but I would expect that the final would be played in an open air stadium on natural grass and probably in a more uh, Northern city because it's going to be July and <laughs> why not have more, you know, why not have it was pretty hot steps? in 94, wasn't it? It was, it was <laughs> I remember it was pretty hot. I remember people saying, I thought the U S average temperature was like 70 and it was like 95, the whole world cup. It was so funny. <laughs> Yeah, like it's average, but this is July or whatever. So, what do you expect? So, all right. So, what's coming up? I'm sorry. This is my last question. And if whatever you want to add in, but my last question to you: What is coming up next now for the U.S. team? You said there's two more uh, international games. Period until November, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But we're in. We were in some kind of a competition that's been going on recently that we played uh, El Salvador or something in. Or what's all? What all's going on right now? What's coming up next? Okay, so. Uh, so what just happened in June is of 22 here just uh, ended last week or this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a double window, so which means we had four matches and an extended camp for the national teams. And those first two matches were friendlies, which means there was nothing at stake. Yeah. And, um, and they were actually the more important by far of the four matches because they were against World Cup opponents. They were against tough competition in Morocco and Uruguay. And so we ran out our best possible team, and we tried a few um, wrinkles in terms of our lineup. So um, one, one of the big things that Burhalter experimented with is he took Brendan Aronson, who's a winger, 
and you put him in the middle, you put him in midfield, um, and to see how that would work. And that's one of the guys that we that, had the. That's one of the guys we had the extras of just to try to get him on the yes. field. Okay. Yes. And so, so you got Waya Aronson and Reyna who are stacked up at right wing. Reyna is hurt right now. We're hoping he's back for the World Cup. We think he will be. Um, but this allowed Waya and Aronson to be on the field at the same time by moving Aronson to the middle. And I think it worked great. And he ended up scoring a goal. Um, the, pro- the problem with that is then you're pushing somebody else off the field. And with and we have solid guys there. So, um, like I say, it's it's a little bit of musical chairs. You know, we got probably one elite player more than we have spots. Um, but this was something to try out, and it seemed to be successful. It's now an option that we can play Aronson in the middle, in my opinion. Um, and then, after those two friendlies were played, we then turned around and played Granada and El Salvador in what is known as the Nations League. And that is an actual competition. There's points on the line, but my goodness, we, I mean, it's, it's the opening of the new iteration, the new nations league cycle. And we needed to be getting ready for the world cup and we're stuck playing in the nations league. So what is the nations league real quick? I'll make it super simple. It is a league table that is played uh, by national teams of, of CONCACAF nations. And there's actually four leagues, all right, and there's pro-rel between them. Like, we just finished the first Nations League cycle last year, and so whoever won group uh, League C gets moved up to League B and stuff like that. Okay. And um, where you finish in these different groups has implications toward Gold Cup, which is which is our continental championship. It's like our Euros. So there's there's a little bit on the line there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, and the United States won last year. Um, against Mexico is a huge match. Um, but I don't really like the Nations League because what it does is it fills up the international calendar with CONCACAF matches when what I'd like to do is see us playing friendlies against European teams or South American teams. Right. So, But I do think that the Nations League is good for the minnows of CONCACAF. A lot of the uh, the lower teams, you know, there's like f- over 40 CONCACAF nations, but they're all <laughs> little bitty have... tiny islands and stuff like that. I never right? would have guessed that. Yeah, that's crazy to think yeah. about it. I think of it's like having like eight. <laughs> so we we uh, we just beat Granada five to zero, but Granada has like five players on their national team that are just amateurs. They're not right. even professional at all. Right. And uh, their highest uh, club, you know, pedigree they've got it represented on their roster is in the United States second division, the USL. So they're, they're just not these. What happens is these lower CONCACAF nations don't play many games because they either never qualify for tournaments or they get eliminated quickly. And what the nation's league will do is give them competitive matches against their peers. Hmm. And so that part's good. It's good for the lower nations of CONCACAF, but for, for me, for, for, Nations like the United States, those that are typically in contention to go to the World Cup, mm-hmm. it fills up our calendar with matches that I'd really rather not have to play. So we're there. We are playing Granada in a meaningless game. You know, asterisks. It's still Nations League, whatever. Um, when we've got a World Cup to prepare for. So we, you know, Jesus Ferreira scored four against Granada. Well, you know, so what? He he's <laughs> like, it's like if he went out there and played against me, he'd probably score, you know, ten of them. It doesn't mean that he's ready to conquer the world you know mm-hmm. so um we can't really take a lot out of the success we had against um granada and with el salvador we went we just played them on tuesday night in a mud bowl 
and salvaged oh, a tie with the very last minute winner. Yeah. Um, so we're in good standings when it comes to the Nations League, and maybe we'll care more about that next year when it when it concludes. But right now, it's like we need to be thinking about Qatar. So, um, and we we have we have questions. Um, like we had our center back Miles Robinson went down with an Achilles tendon, and where we thought he was a locked-in starter, now we're we're trying out guys in that spot to see who can partner with the other starter. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern now. And um, like I say, stacked up at right wing, don't have a striker that stepped up. So we, we're, we're experimenting when we, uh, it's almost showtime. You know, it's almost too late to bring in new players at this point. Um, so what's left? Two matches. We have a pair of friendlies in September, and that's it. You know, will Reyna be healthy? Where, will our center back question be settled? Who's our goalkeeper? Uh, you know, it's almost at, at in sept, by September, you probably are not trying Aronson in midfield. You're probably not bringing in Haji Wright for his debut. You know, you're, you're, you're picking your guys and you're giving them time together because soccer is the ultimate team sport. You've it, it's one thing I love about the sport is it's not just the guy who has the ball. It's the movement of all the other guys and the spaces they're creating and the vision that you have to find that pass that can, split a defense open and there's so much that um relies on the instincts of your teammates like you've got to know how to read them and know what to expect from them right. you can't communicate with them you know very easily during a match and it's all about instinct that's to, one of the things i love about soccer is really every open play goal is at some level a a a product of improvisation right it's just guys out there with skill that are used to playing together coming up with a moment of magic and so the way you facilitate that is you get time together you play you put in minutes together and so i think what you're going to have to do in september is know who your squad is and let them play um i don't think we can i don't think we can uh, experiment very much but then again we we're, we're an open question at center back and that's probably the biggest one right we have we have the other areas I mentioned are questions, but we have front runners. You know, mm -hmm. we we're almost at a point where we can shrug our shoulders that I guess we're going with that guy. Yeah. But at center point with this new injury to Miles, at center back with this uh, new injury to Miles Robinson, that's very much like I, we don't know who the front runner is. So you know, it's it's not awesome. Doesn't fill you with confidence. You'd like to you'd like to feel like you're in stronger uh, position coming into this final final window before the tournament. But that's that's where we are. And and England, meanwhile, got all the way what to the finals of the Euros last time. So you can't you can't think they're going to be you know they used to fall on their face a lot, but they seem more formidable the last couple of years. It seems to me. And uh, well, so. look, if Gio Reyna is healthy and in full form, keep your eyes on him. You're going to fall in love with him. And Brendan Aronson, 100%. You need to know Brendan Aronson. He may be the best player we have out there. He may be. Well. I mean, he's to me. Every time he touches the ball, I'm riveted. He's he is so smooth on the ball, and he's so vertical, and he's so incisive with his runs. Uh, to me, Pulisic, Pulisic's the name brand. All right, he's got the right. name recognition. Right. But I think I think Aronson and Reyna have been both have been more dazzling than Pulisic has for the United States. So I would absolutely um, uh, keep those players in mind. How does last, last I did have, have one more question then. How does this U.S. team stack up, compare 
in your mind to the ones we've seen in the past? Is there one that you would compare it to the most or that we'd, we should think of and think, oh, they're going to be kind of like that? I mean, 2002 is the one that achieved the most. 2006 was able to tie the winners, which was a big deal. You know, we've done things over the years. So where would you kind of put them? So here's the thing. In terms of potential, yeah, the best ever. Wow. Okay. Because uh, that's potential because they're because they're so young, and because the clubs they're playing for, they're the best clubs in the best leagues, and they're either starting or getting regular minutes. You know, I, I can name four or five that do that. So between club pedigree, what they've accomplished at the club level, like you know, Pulisic has has won the has won Champions League, right? Yeah. And, um, and they're you got Premier League teams that are paying thirty million and above to get their players onto their squads. So um, they are elite talent, and that unlike you know they've reached levels in in world you know in the club space of world soccer mm-hmm. um, higher than anybody we've ever had. Um, the question is when do they reach that potential? Like basically they haven't really done anything yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's hard to say that, Oh, they're the best U S world cup team we've ever had right. when they haven't done anything yet. Yep. But certainly uh, I am very high on them. I'm, I'm still buying their stock and I think they can prove over the course of their careers that they might have three more world cups ahead of them. This, this core group of players. Yeah. And I think, in the end, and, and by the way, we're poised to be so good in 26, and we're playing at home. It's oh, going to be unbelievable. That's going to be good. Um, that's it. But, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for 94 and, and the 98 squad, even though it was a terrible tournament for us, because that, that generation of players in the 90s, they were all pioneers, and they're all folk heroes and legends in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and I'll always love that group of players. And then 2002 was a special tournament because we went all the way to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, it's, it's, you know, they're going to, they're going to have to get to the semifinals before you can say they're better than 2002. And if the U S were to make the semifinals, of the world cup, that would blow the minds of about 7 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> and there are probably players on this team that weren't alive for that. Certainly not for the 98 oh, fiasco. Yeah. That's crazy. Seems like yesterday to me, but, uh, and, and by the way, I'll mention, I've, I started listening to it again. It was very influential on me about three or four years ago when Roger Bennett did fiasco, the, it's like a seven or eight part podcast about the 98 team. It's very entertaining. So good. Okay. And um, he's since done a, an autobiography that's very similar to it, and I enjoyed that too. So uh, if you've never listened to it on your podcast app, look for Fiasco that Roger Bennett of Men and Blazers did, where he just basically goes through uh, all the hope and all the disappointment. And you'd think that would be depressing to listen to, but he makes it very entertaining and very insightful as to what went on in that 98 team and how they – ended up just crashing and burning and it's like it's like a train it's like a train wreck where you you don't want to see it happen but you can't look away and it's it's really well done too so well you yeah, have a fascinating last... fascinating look behind the curtain uh yeah. it was I, I i guess you it's our worst world cup showing ever we finished dead last in the dead field, last right? <laughs> tunisia yeah. finished ahead of us yeah golly so, but um but it is still a fascinating look behind the curtain it's it's an excellent Excellent series. It's what happens when you change your entire tactical, strategic approach like the day before the World Cup starts, and that's what they did. And much. and drop your captain from the squad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, 
Brilliant. And yeah. and you add you add David Regi at the very last minute, and nobody knew who he was. No, but no, zero familiarity, zero knowledge. So. Yeah. A, a stranger suddenly starting on your World Cup after you've been through the qualification yourself. Yeah, I remember so, he uh, he got his citizenship like five minutes before the first game started. And I don't think he spoke English. He was no, no, French. he had to. They asked him like a. They just teed him up a softball question that he had to reply in English to prove that he could speak English. <laughs> like, how are you today? And he said, fine. They're like, you're a citizen. Congratulations. God bless America. So. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. All right. Well, any final thoughts that we, anything we haven't covered? Well, it's it's you know nerves are high because you want to see us succeed, and it seems like our squad's not totally settled, and we've been disrupted by injuries. Yeah. So, uh, and so, you've got to hope that everybody stays healthy, and um, and you got to hope that we get clarity on the best choice at goalkeeper and striker. We have two more matches to go. They're likely to, they. They will be against World Cup opponents, World Cup-bound teams. We don't know who they'll be. They probably will not be European because they're having their own Nations League during that window. Um, but we're probably looking at Asian or African teams that are headed to Qatar. Um, but they, those, exactly who those opponents are has not been announced yet. So that's in September, and then it's showtime. I think it's November 21st. We play Wales. We'll see how it goes. Do not save the whales. I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very I may burn an old VHS copy of Star Trek Four just to just to get rid of the whales, man. So we could go zero and three. We could go zero three and zero, <laughs> or we can advance out of the group. Um, but uh, so it's just completely wide open. But I, I will also repeat this: 2026 is ours. I feel so good about that tournament. So well, well I'm just happens. saying, at least we're in it this time. You have to be in it to have a chance. And we weren't even right. in it in Russia. So at least we're in it this time. But uh, that's right. All right. All right, David. Well, I appreciate you coming on and enlightening me and everybody else on what's going on with the, with the world cup team, with the USMN, USMNT and everything else. And uh, we will check back in again when there's something more we need to talk about. Sounds good. All right. Good deal. All right. We're going to get out of here for another episode. We'll see you guys down the road. Griffin, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.